Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. And we're here every Thursday night to be, bring biblical truths to polygamists and to explain that uh, from the Bible and even from Joseph Smith's behavior, he never could have inspired by, been inspired by God to command polygamy for people to live. But first we want to thank all of those who came to the Payson Park last Saturday and was interesting time together. We had a good time. We met new friends and old friends and thankfully the rainy weather held off until about mid-afternoon and then it came down. But we were able to, to make new acquaintances and we do thank you and, and we would just pray God's blessing on everybody who worked so hard to put this together successfully. You know, those who leave any form of Mormonism and polygamy is a form of Mormonism. They can find themselves floundering around with no real anger for their souls or for their spiritual life. Uh, some people who leave will reject God and they'll reject religion altogether. Um, and this is sad just because the religion that they were raised in proved to be wrong doesn't indicate that there is no truth, that there is no true and living God who is good and kind and shows unconditional love. Some of them who leave will look for a new religion and then there are those who actually want to know the truth, they want to know the real God and what the Bible and what Christianity is truly all about. Tonight's show is about finding the truth after you've lived in a false religion and you know it's hard to do. It's a difficult journey and it's a difficult transition. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of being. And whoever walks this path needs help and they need encouragement as they carefully seek the truth. And that's what we're going to talk about on tonight's show. Tonight's guest is, first of all, Kay Brown and her daughter, Adelie Moore. Uh, Kay has been on our show in the past several times actually. In fact, she helped co-host for a while. And tonight she and her daughter together will discuss a study guide that they've written. It's filled with helpful information and facts that compare Mormonism's scriptures and teachings to the truths of biblical teaching. And it's filled with information for ex-polygamists or for anyone that has a Mormon background to compare truth with the errors of Mormon doctrine. And please remember as we go through shows like we're having tonight that the polygamists are part of the culture that we call Mormonism. They believe, they study, they teach, and they preach from the Book of Mormon, from the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, and other Mormon books. And we must also remember that Joseph Smith is the author of modern polygamist cultures. So, to discuss their study guide and perhaps communicate some helpful information to our transitioning viewers, I would like to introduce our guests. First of all, Kay Brown. Hi, Doris. Thanks for coming, Kay. Thank you for having us. And Adelie Moore, your daughter. Thank you. And she's your mother, and you yep. together wrote a book uh, to help people. You transitioned, and you want to help others now as they transition out. So what is your study guide? Uh, explain it. What's it entitled? Okay. Where can people find it? Why did you write it? How are people to use it? Okay. 
Well, um, we took our title, Grace Reigns, uh, Christian Bible Study, Bible Course for um, Mainstream and Fundamental Mormons. And then it's also a resource for believers who want to help uh, by witnessing mm-hmm. to the Mormon by culture. By helping others as mm-hmm. they transition exactly. out. Mm-hmm. And we took and the so title. The, the name of the title is? Grace Reigns. Grace Reigns, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. And we took the title from Romans 5, 20, 21, which says, The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so grace reigns supreme, Mm -hmm. and it isn't works, that's Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we wrote it, uh, put it together, was that we recognize that there are others, you know, that really need what we needed when we came out. We, we're past now where some of them coming out are, and we know that they need uh, a little bit of, of a study that will specifically help them compare the Bible to what Joseph Smith taught. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we have actually had people approach us and ask us if we had put a study together because they saw our love for the Word. Adelie came out just a few years ago out of Mormonism, and. Uh, her heart is the same as mine. Mm-hmm. We we want to help mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. coming out. We want others to see the truth. Yeah. It's so it's so easy to see once you've come out and, and made your mm-hmm. choice, and you wonder why they can't see it. But yeah. you know, it takes time, and it take it's a, it is a journey. Uh, where where can they buy the book? Do you have contact information for those who might be interested? And where can where can our viewers get the book? Is it out now, or is it has it been released yet? Well, it's going to be on Amazon um, by October 1st. It'll be in paperback and ebook. Uh huh. Oh. Um, and we do have email as well. Uh, if people need to contact us, it's gracereinscourse at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they can go to amazon.com mm-hmm. to purchase the book after October 1st? Yes, it, it should be available on October 1st. Yes. And can they, That's pre- the goal. Can they go there and pre order it now, or do you know that, whether they can or not? I don't think. Quite yet, but yeah, yeah. October by 1st. October first, it'll be on the market. Okay, so we're just going to kind of go through and pick out some of the topics that you picked up on, and quote some of the things that you've said, and then let you explain how you deal with some of these issues okay. in your study guide. So first of all, um, I want to quote what you said at the beginning of the study guide, and I quote, this course was created to teach the seeker of truth to reason with God so that they may come to an understanding of why Mormonism is not the gospel or good news that Jesus brought, which never left the earth, that they might see that there never was any need for a restoration or of Mormonism. So at the very beginning, you're stating that Jesus' gospel never left the earth, mm-hmm. uh, which means that a restoration was never needed. That statement alone puts Joseph Smith's claims into question. How do we know that the, a restoration was not needed? Well, that's one of the main uh, threads of our course, is that w- once you can see who God is, how, uh, what, what kind of rock God is, how stable He is, um, then you, that's what we try to show mm-hmm. in our course, that because God is who He is, because He is trustworthy, because He's faithful, there shouldn't be any need for any restoration. Um, mm-hmm. Matthew twenty four fourteen, 14, uh, actually Jesus says, 
this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, when Jesus is saying this, he has a clear view of the beginning to the end, through the end of time, and he's fully aware of the fullness of his gospel, um, that it would not be insufficient or incomplete, and that it would be taken to all nations, and then the end would come. Mm -hmm. um, in John 19.30, while on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And he wouldn't be able to make that statement if there was going to be new information, further light and knowledge, or um, any kind of restoration reinstating lost that would be then, needed. Lost right. and then come back, something. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and even further, Jude 1.3, it confirms this, telling believers to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Once for all. That's and that's one, one gospel, one time, for once for all people. I mean, it just is inclusive of, of all of it. There could be no question. Mm -hmm. And to add to that, uh, Hebrews 1.1 1, 1, uh, states, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoken to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. Um, that right there tells us that we now listen to Jesus Christ, the mm -hmm. son. He is the word mm -hmm. and the Bible is, is the word. The word. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that, and then also in John chapter one, it tells us that Jesus, um, who is the word, that's, that's who God speaks through um, to the entire world. You know, the mm -hmm. word still lives and he, he will never die. So there never was, God never said, at this point, we're going to have someone else come into the picture who's going to give you all these added things like polygamy mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. uh, works uh, instead of grace mm -hmm. and things like that. A restoration of A restoration that was lost. of any kind. And of course, mm -hmm. Jesus said in Mark 13, 31, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Right. And, if the, and if that had happened, like they claim, uh, then Jesus would, would have not had the power as God to keep his word, right, and he right. can't do that. Um, now, we have proof we, for, through, through the Bible verses through history, through ch the church's history uh, from, from way back in uh, when Jesus died clear up until today. We have proof that there was not a restoration needed. Have they ever given proof? Have they ever come up with any proof that there was a total apostasy, that the church was lost, that his words were lost? There's, in fact, it's just the opposite. It's the opposite, isn't the, it? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, the Bible mm -hmm. talks about thousands of, of believers being added by the Lord to the church. Uh-huh. Um, and so we can't assume that the truth is going to die off when... when God is continually adding. And it's uh, God who adds, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. So, and, yeah. and if he can do the adding, he can also do the sustaining right. of, of right. it through the generations. Right. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the church kept growing, and of course the church is the body of believers, those right. who came to, to know Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, the proof of that, one day as I was studying the Bible and reading Revelation and, and read about the seven churches that is spoken of in the book of Revelation, I, you know, it just came to me that those are the same churches that organized somewhat, I mean, just they as groups met, the same churches in those towns, Ephesus, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and so 
the book of Revelation saying that, which is the book that takes us to the very end, end of time. shows, mm -hmm. yes, the end of time, there is there was never a need for anything else. No, and it would have said, and, and as I was reading through those letters one time in the in the book of Revelation, I realized as I was reading through them that if, if anybody's church, doesn't matter who it is, if anybody's church does not have their anchor and doesn't have their history that goes back to 2,000 years ago, they're in the wrong church. That's right. Because our church goes back 2,000 mm -hmm. years to Jesus Christ. That's right. We come directly through Him, mm -hmm. from Him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, and Another quote that I would like to quote from your uh, from your study guide says, uh, "Those who have been taught biblical scriptures in a twisted and distorted way have need to overcome the delusion and false doctrine by seeking and seeing truth." clearly. Now this distortion happens in all of Mormonism, no matter which branch mm -hmm. or sect or arm of Mormonism mm -hmm. you're in, it ha does happen. Would you give us an example of a twisted biblical scripture that, uh, that you're referring to here? Well in Genesis chapter 16, the story of Abraham and Hagar, um, this is one that Mormonism really twists so that they can live polygamy, um, saying that God commanded that um, you know, polygamy be lived, and that's just not true. We, we know that's not true. There's nothing in the Bible that even alludes to that fact that, that Abraham was commanded. But mm -hmm. it was Sarah's and, and Abraham's lack of faith that they would have the child that God had promised them, mm -hmm. you know. And you read the whole chapter, yeah. and in, in 16.3 it says, Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband. God didn't tell. There's nowhere mm -hmm. where God told her to do that or told him to tell her to do that. She did it, mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't God's idea. And yet they call it, do the works of Abraham in the, in right. the polygamous culture. Mm -hmm. uh, if they do the works of Abraham, I always like to take them into Galatians, where God told Abraham to send away that extra wife he had mm -hmm. <laughs> and her child, which they will never do that work. Okay. Because there's been a huge redefinition of terminology, you included in your study guide a glossary of terms. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to preface this by bringing up what happened in last week's show. Uh, we were talking, Jim Catlin was our guest, and we were talking about Joseph Smith's polyandry, where mm -hmm. he married all these women who were already married to married husband, to hu and living with their living husbands. And, and during the telephone call-in time, one lady called in, and she redefined the word fornication, and she redefined the word virgin. Because in section 132, it talks about that these women are supposed to be virgins, not married women. Right. So she redefined those two terms to justify Joseph Smith. And, and, and this just illustrates how the church as a whole has redefined specific words to justify their, their behavior that's unbiblical. Mm -hmm. One of the redefined words that you d included in your glossary is the word salvation. What's the difference in the biblical meaning of the word salvation and the Mormonism's word of it? Well, in Mormonism, salvation is Generally, it's just resurrection. Anyone who's ever lived is going to be able to go on into immortality, whether it, where, wherever they end up, in whichever kingdom they teach. Um, but it's a salvation also for personal. Um, they have a general salvation, like I just said. Then the personal salvation is based on one's own works and worthiness. So it's, you know, they're only aided by Jesus' by Jesus's blood. They're only aided by it 
it's up to them what they've done, what they have to prove, their own merits. Mm -hmm. um, so people can actually, in their definition of the word salvation, people can actually be saved to be damned. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. the, they would go to the is it the celestial kingdom, the very lowest, the very lowest the third kingdom. degree. Right, so that know. so that really isn't salvation according to the biblical definition of salvation. Right. Certainly not. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Bible uh, warns against that um, kind of thinking. Romans ten three, it says, for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Um, it's the righteousness of God that is what allows us to live with Him. Yeah. Um, so it's, biblical it's, salvation is life with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's God's righteousness that gets us into heaven, not self-righteousness right. or of That's the good right. works that we might do. Good point. <clears throat> okay, as I said at the beginning of the show, truth isn't changeable. God is not changeable. In your section on truth, you wrote about what some of the early Mormon polygamous prophets taught that are either ignored or denied today. And I'd like to touch upon four of these teachings that they taught as revelation from God, yeah. and they embraced them at the time as being true doctrine, but now they're no longer important to the mainline church or they are not, or, or they're considered heresy by the Mormon church, but the polygamists continue to believe in and to teach these early Mormon doctrines. Now, I'm not going to mention them all. I'm just going to mention four of them. I don't know if they can go up on the screen or not, uh, but um, if, they, if they can, then maybe they'll go up. The first one is the Adam-God doctrine, and that's a doctrine that Brigham Young brought in speaking as a prophet. He was speaking as a prophet when yeah. he said that. Yeah. The next one is eternal progression to godhood and beyond. The third one is that blacks were fence-sitters in the pre-existence and born as the descendants of Cain. And the fourth one is polygamy, which was called celestial marriage and still is celestial mm -hmm. marriage to the polygamists. Why did you choose these four particular examples to be put in your book, and how does your study guide deal with them? Well, we chose these specific examples because um, they they cover a broad range of Mormonism's theology from Joseph Smith, uh, you know, and the pre-existence and the probationary state of mankind to the final goal of the Mormon priesthood holder becoming a god who either has or is looking forward to multiple wives on his own world. And, you know, these are base and fundamental doctrines. Um, for example, Adam, you know, he can't be created from the dust of the earth and be the same God who is creating man. Right. That, that's just impossible. Adam is shown to be a created and fallen individual uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 47, which says, um, the first man is from the earth, earthly. The second man, speaking of Jesus, is from heaven. Okay. So. Okay. So the first man is from the earth, and that's Adam. Uh huh. And so he couldn't have been the creator because he was created. That's right. Good point. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the early Mormon teaching of a plurality of gods. Mm -hmm. I I speak to and get emails and email correspondence or telephone calls and correspondence, as well as face to face with a lot of Mormons. Present-day Mormons, ex-Mormons, polygamists, ex -poly uh, you know, just the whole gambit. Mm -hmm. And I speak to many, many <coughs> contemporary Mormons who deny that they are taught that they believe in multiple gods. 
They deny it. Mm-hmm. The polygamists know <laughs> that that they believe in multiple gods. They believe was, that we, that basic we were doctrine that all of our lives. Yeah. And 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 they 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 believe it. They teach it. They know that Jesus, Joseph Smith taught it. So what is different in today's teaching of the plurality of gods, man becoming a god, and how man becomes a god? Well, uh, Mormon doctrine is still <clears throat> rooted in the teaching of many gods. It's also a henotheistic concept, which is that they believe in many gods, but they only worship one of those many gods, and they believe that they will progress to be gods as well. So, um, is that not they, actively they, they, taught they anymore? Do they do still have that. Why would people teaching? deny that they teach it? Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not brought up. I mean, it's just one of those known doctrines. I mean, that's the purpose of temple ceremony. That's the purpose of being married. You know, it's to go on and and populate your own world. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so it's a known <coughs> doctrine, but it's not. Um, it's suppressed more, I think, with mainstream because there's they're not living polygamy. I mean, that's the purpose of polygamy. And with that's the what polygamy groups, is. They know that's, that's the goal. That's what we're. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. But with mainstream, um, it's suppressed because polygamy is suppressed. You know, it, mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. it's not really talked about. That. So they, they, but the eternal progression. The whole idea mm-hmm. of eternal progression is to become yeah. a god of your own world. Right. Um, Joseph Smith, didn't you have a quote from from Joseph Smith on uh, the Journal of Discourses, Volume Six? Um, yeah, we can twenty-three. Yes, yeah, I think that. Will sorry, come I think I'm a page behind. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we got that. Put that quote up on the screen. I'll let you read it to our viewers. Okay, and um, Joseph Smith said this: "And you have got to learn to be gods yourselves, and to be kings and priests to God, the same as all gods have done before you." namely by going from one small degree to another until you arrive at the station of God and ascend the throne of eternal power, the same as all those who have gone before. Okay. This concept is still taught in the book of Abraham, though, I mean, with mm-hmm. the mainstream. So, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, chapters 4 and 5 mm-hmm. it is. specifically it's, it's, it's talk still about there. the gods creating and... Yeah, yeah, but they, they, they will deny that they teach. I've talked to many. I don't understand why. In your section um, of, the, of your book entitled Book of Mormon Part 2, mm-hmm. you discuss the fact that almost all of basic Mormon and polygamous teachings are not even mentioned in the Book of Mormon at all. And I'd like you to talk about a couple of the ones that you mentioned. The first one being marriage ceilings, and the mm-hmm. second one being the degrees of glory. Neither one of those are in the Book of Mormon? Uh, no. Um, it doesn't have any temple ceremony. There's no, mm-hmm. um, you need to be married for, you know, eternal life with God. There's, there's no information on that. Um, and aren't they two of the very important parts of salvation mm-hmm. yeah, to yeah. to them and yet and they're not in the Book of Mormon. That's right. right. Jacob chapter 2 even preaches against concubines and many wives calling it an abomination uh-huh. in referring to uh, Solomon and David. You so. know, Jesus is the Savior and being Savior you would think he would know how we would be mm-hmm. saved. 
And he never mentioned any of these things. Right. And he would be derelict in his job or responsibilities for coming here if he didn't tell us how to be saved. And he never mentioned any of those things, did he? Right. Right. And with, with the Book of Mormon being um, the fullness of the gospel, according to Mormonism, it, it would need to have those things in there uh, in mm -hmm. order to be the second witness of them. Of course, they're not in the... They're not in the Bible. They're not in the Book of Mormon. So, right. and the degrees of glory, you know, they've they've got um, really nothing in there. Joseph, I mean, all throughout, it speaks of heaven and hell. You know, mm -hmm. that's right. There's no other kingdoms mentioned. Right. Absolutely right. Second Nephi, two twenty-seven twenty-nine contradicts the idea of degrees of glory at all says they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men or choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. So that's two choices. There's two choices and this is basically, you know, heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. And there it speaks, you know, doesn't speak at all of degrees of glory. So, mm -hmm. right. Another odd teaching that you write about that's not allowed for in the Book of Mormon and also is not biblical is the pre-mortal existence. Mm -hmm. How do you treat that in your study guide? Well, um, just uh, we bring out what the teachings of Mormonism are to expose what they teach about it, of course, and then, you know, you, you can only try to prove that or, or um, if it's not there, if it's not in the Bible, if it's not in the Book of Mormon, you know, you can't accept that as truth. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The In the index, under the heading premortal existence, they have one verse listed, uh, which was Alma 13.3. And this verse just uh, kind of talks about the priests um, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world, according to the foreknowledge of God. So that's the only verse that they're using to uh, give proof of that doctrine. Hmm. Um, you know, of course, God's foreknowledge is doesn't have to be a premortal existence. Right. God knows the beginning to the end, and um, that's right. He, he he knows us before he creates right. us. So you know we yeah. can't. So foreknowledge is yeah. not preexistent pre at all. Right. He knows what he's going to do before he does it. Um, growing up in a polygamy group, we were taught the Mormon doctrine that Jesus and Lucifer were spirit brothers. Mm -hmm. And you make a very good point in your study guide about how in the Book of Mormon uh, is taught that Lucifer is an angel who fell be and became the devil. Explain how their own teaching contradicts their teaching, their own teachings that um, they were spirit brothers and had a fight on who was going to be the Savior. Yeah, um, that's the idea behind Second Nephi 2.17, speaking of an angel of God having fallen from heaven. Now they call him an angel of God falling from heaven and becoming the devil. Uh, and, was and that was taken from the book of Isaiah. So he can't be an angel of God and a son, exactly. uh, one of the sons yeah. that fought for, for the right to be redeemer. Right. It totally contradicts Joseph's teachings on Satan and Jesus being brothers in having heaven um, who contended over who should be sent as savior of the world. So that's interesting. I wonder if anybody's picked up on that uh, before, you know, that it, it's kind of hard to miss these little things like that. But right. it, an angel, and that is more biblical, the angel fell. That's right. Uh, who was the devil, who was, uh, who the King James calls Lucifer, but he was an angel of light and he fell 
And now he appears to men, to people, as angel of light to get them to go to the wrong That's right. religion. And that happens frequently, <laughs> that. actually. It does happen quite frequently. You write in your study guide a verse by verse, and we're not even going to go all of the verses of section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants. But you do mention uh, that verses 1 through 6 is teaching about polygamy, not about plural marriage. Would you like to kind of summarize that? Uh, yeah, well, the first six verses um, explain that this revelation came about uh, because Joseph had inquired to God about uh, Old Testament men having more than one wife, having concubines. So it came about because of this inquiry. Um, and it was, you know, in that day, um, the when the revelation came about, celestial marriage was defined as, I mean, polygamy was celestial marriage. It was mm -hmm. the plurality of wives. And that's why he inquired and got this revelation. So it's not just, um, you know, it's not go to the temple and be sealed for salvation. It's you can mm -hmm. have many wives and concubines like men mm -hmm. did. But, of course, they were right. sinning. Right. But so Joseph is um, attempting to ask God, you know, if this is correct. Well, he gets this revelation and asks for many wives, apparently. You know, this is maybe was his, I mean, this was his intention, you know. And so it's, it's what, defined as correct. What I find so interesting there is that God had already answered Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon, Jacob 2. Because yeah. in Jacob 2, it says that um, the many wives and concubines of David and Solomon was an abomination to God. And now Joseph Smith is petitioning God, asking God about this. Right. Why yeah. is he asking God to do something that he knows God has already condemned as an abomination? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That and, was revelation to him then. It should have stuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. If it was a revelation in the Book of Mormon, why yeah, wasn't it a revelation right. in Doctrine and Covenant 132? Mm -hmm. Instead, he twists it around completely and makes it a justification mm -hmm. for David and Solomon yeah. rather than an abomination that Jacob tells. Yeah. I think that's extremely interesting that and that's none of one of those other little things like the devil uh, being an angel that fell in the Book of Mormon and but in Mormon doctrine he's one of the sons of God. You have to really think things through and uh, and analyze it and reason with God with it, you mm -hmm. know. And 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 you know and I found this in my early Bible reading Bible study time you you compare scripture with scripture. You mm -hmm. compare verse with verse and and I discovered in doing that with the Bible that they it all adds up. It all matches up like each piece in a puzzle all yeah. fits together perfectly. Mm -hmm. More but than when, we even know. <laughs> yeah, but the, it doesn't work that way with the, with the Mormonism's uh, scriptures. The, the pieces don't fit together at all. They're, just, yes. they're yeah. just a mess. You mentioned that many women went insane in the early Utah Territory primarily because of polygamy. What information do you have about that? Oh. Um. Yeah, actually, there's there's several books, um, women who lived polygamy, uh, who wrote about their experiences, and um, the women under Brigham's leadership. I mean, they knew what he, they knew what he taught about it. They knew that it was you do it or you're damned. They, that you know, he also taught that it's not just the living of it. You have to accept it in your heart, whether you live it or That's not. Right. That's right. And so, they, you know, a lot of them they know their heart is not accepting this, you know, and so it really caused a lot of turmoil. Yeah. yeah, and I actually have um, 
some excerpts from Wife Number 19 by Annaliza Young um, in the chapter titled The Dead Wives of the Prophet He Was Never Known to Shed a Tear. And these are on pages 511 and 512. Speaking of uh, Clara Chase, says, Knowing her aversion to the system, meaning polygamy, and her distrust of it and of him, Brigham at first treated her with a very great deal of consideration. Just before her last child was born, her fits of remorse were terrible. She endured untold agonies and accused herself of having committed the unpardonable sin, and she knew salvation was denied. He treated her with such marked coldness that she went insane and raved constantly, I am going to hell. To her children she cried, Oh, don't follow my example. Don't go into polygamy unless you wish to be cursed. Brigham and his counselors laid hands on her. A doctor was called, but all to no purpose. She died in the midst of her ravings. Wow. Um, it's heartbreaking. <clears throat> one example, and then, you know, there's, there's of course, others on page 73 of the same book. Um, Eliza Young also speaks of the burden of life that women uh, felt was greater than they could bear. Mm -hmm. um, and it caused insanity, and she, she explains that this was a common fate of polygamous wives. I found a quote uh, in Tell It All by Fanny Stenhouse that, that kind of backs this up on pages 483, 482 and 483, and I quote, she said, Had I been treated with the cruelty and neglect which has fallen to the lot of so many unfortunate women in Utah, I should probably have been in my grave today or in that asylum which has been provided by the church situated on a lonely hill at a sufficient distance from the city so that the cries of the unhappy, ill-treated, insane women should not be heard. It's a tragedy. It was just awful. You know, I read things like that, and I look back through the through the tunnel of time, back to Joseph Smith and Fanny Alger in the barn, you know, and, and I think all of the women that have been hurt and children that have been so hurt, and even men that have been victimized right. as a result of this teaching. Yeah, they... Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, they lose awful. their salvation, you it's know, awful. by following a false mm -hmm. prophet. It's, it is. Okay. Well, we're reaching the time right now where we need to take a break and open up the telephone lines for our viewers to call in, ask your questions, or make some comments um, on uh, what we're talking about here tonight. We do have a lot more to go. It's a good, thick book. Uh, that they have put together and it's well worth going through and finding out a lot of contradictory information on Mormonism scriptures versus the biblical truth. So we're going to open up our phone lines now. The number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20, and we're going to share a message with you at this point. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877 425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website www.whatloveisthis.tv There you will find the DVD Lifting the Veil of Polygamy 
which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we're interviewing tonight Kay Brown and her daughter, Adelie Moore. They've written a study guide called Grace Reigns, and it's to help for people who are seeking, whether you're from a polygamy group or any of the arms of the Mormon religion, um, they are uh, want to help people as they seek and as they put together some of the contradictions they're going to learn uh, when they do start doing their own Bible studies. And so we've been kind of picking and choosing, cherry-picking through some of this information uh, to present to our viewers so that they can get an idea of what kind of information you're covering in your book. And so far we've had some very interesting uh, uh, conversation on the discrepancies and contradictions. We are talking about section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants and how you went through it in your study guide, you went through it verse by verse, every, every verse, and we're not going through all of them, but we're going to hit on verse 40 right now. And um, it says, and I quote, I am the Lord thy God, and I gave unto thee my servant Joseph an appointment, and restore all things, I suppose that's meaning polygamy, Ask what ye will, I suppose that's more wives, and it shall be given unto you according to my word. And that's because he mm -hmm. promised he would give him more wives. Mm -hmm. Anyway, wh what, how do you deal with that in your study guide? What's your comments on that? Uh, yeah, just, just like he said, um, it's setting Joseph up as the one to restore all things, which was polygamy, obviously. Um, and because Joseph asked for you know, this information, it's okay for him to take more wives. I think it's um, interesting that the same men that were used to call polygamy an abomination, like you mentioned before, are in this Revelation, 132 Revelation, they're now used as confirmation of this law. And so what, that's what we, we try to, you mm -hmm. know, expose. And, um, and another thing that he says in 132 is that Isaac was a polygamist and Moses. There's nothing in the Bible that ever says either one of those men were polygamists. No. In fact, it's very clear that they were married to one woman. If you, if they don't know the Bible, then they have, you know, nothing to to bounce that off of and so it, yeah. it's it's biblical illiteracy that that causes people to follow false things that 
Um, mm -hmm. Just because someone says it doesn't make it true. That's right. Or someone had a vision or someone saw an angel. Yeah. Doesn't make it true. Right. Absolutely doesn't make it true. Okay. We have a call coming in. Um, our telephone lines are open, folks. Our number is 801-973-8820. You're welcome to call in and ask questions or make comments uh, according to our conversation tonight. So let's, um, anonymous, whoever it is doesn't want to leave their name. So uh, we're calling anonymous. You're on the line. You're on the air. Yes. Are you talking about theology here? And I don't know if this is off base, but uh, if, the, if the Mormons restored the priesthood, isn't that replacement theology, and isn't that a slap in the face to the Jews, saying that uh, you know, they're not going to have the priesthood again, and that, you know, God has forsaken them? Well, uh, I personally, I think the fact that they say that they restored the priesthood is, yes, not only a slap in the face of the Jews, but it's really, in the end, a slap in the face to Jesus, because the but, Bible is so clear that the priesthood ended... Uh, and Jesus Christ now has the Melchizedek priesthood. Hebrews 8 tells us that the Aaronic priesthood is over, no more. They, they don't have any lineage to Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood right. or the Melchizedek priesthood, mm -hmm. and that is a slap in the face. Exactly. You know, to them, and the thing is, is that uh, under the new covenant, he dwells in us. He's not in a building, he right. dwells in us. Mm -hmm. That's and he true. He says, you are a habitation for God through the Spirit, and he says he inhabits the praises of his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and several times in the Bible, God says that he does not dwell in buildings or temples built by human hands. Right, mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's another thing that kind of bothers me, too, because I, I live here in Utah, and every time you talk to a Mormon, you know, he turns around and he starts evaluating himself by the content of his blessings, and he says, well, even you Christians say we're good, but Jesus said, none are good, only God's good. There's none who does That's good. Right. None of us are good, so if a person thinks that they're good without Christ, Jesus already said, you are dead in your sins. Mm -hmm, Let the dead bury right. the dead, the future. Right. He says, but his goodness and his mercy will follow us all the days of our life when we accept Christ. Exactly. So if a person thinks they're good, they have no need of God. Well, it's all, all about Jesus, and I think that's where they, 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 most people don't quite get that, whether they're LDS or some other religion. Right. They, they put a lot of it upon themselves, but it's not. It's all about Jesus. It's not works. We it's are called to good works, to glorify it's his God in our mortal bodies, mm -hmm. not to glorify ourselves. Mm -hmm. we that's self-righteousness. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Exactly. Yeah, that's very good point. The life and the lust of the flesh. Well, we certainly do appreciate your call and for, for your comments. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, an off-the-air question. According to Mormon doctrine, shouldn't Jesus have his own planet by now and have moved on? Well, now, we were taught in the polygamy group that Jesus was learning how to become a god when he came here, mm -hmm. and part of that was dying on the cross for earth. Mm -hmm. which means that that would make him a god. Mm -hmm. So why is he still here? That's a good question. That why is, is a he? very good question. It's one mm -hmm. of those things. It's like we've been talking about that doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Have you ever been asked that before? No. Did you cover that in your study guide, or did that ever come up? We, we explained what it really is, you know, uh, how it really is. Uh -huh. we, we, we do talk Throughout about the, the difference yeah. of uh, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus coming to die on the cross was he was uh, he took off his glory to do that. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't a case of someone 
coming down and I'll suffer a little bit and then I'll have all the glory. You know, it, it, he it was, he gave up his glory already. He already had the glory, it. didn't right. he? And then he put it aside to right. come back here. He right. was already God. Yeah. He's not progressing to be God. Only God could come and do what he did. So there again. Uh-huh. Exactly. Good, good points. Okay. Um, I have on verse 40, we were still talking about 132 verse 40, and I have Jacob chapter 2 verses 23 and 24 that I thought we would put up on the screen and read because we talked about it, but we haven't showed our viewers the verses, so let's do that. Mm -hmm. Jacob chapter 2 verse 23 and 24 says, but the word of God burdens me because of your grosser crimes. Now notice that the grosser crimes is going to be polygamy. That's gross mm -hmm. according to this. For behold, thus saith the Lord, this people begin to wax in iniquity. They understood not the scriptures, for they seek to excuse themselves in committing whoredoms because of the things which were written concerning David and Solomon his son. Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubine, which things, which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. So he has said here, it's a gross crime. Those who think they can live it don't understand the scriptures. It says so right there. Mm -hmm. And that they are an abomination before the Lord. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing that in section 132, which is the polygamy doctrine, that they can justify David and Solomon's polygamy right. by that. Another chilling doctrine introduced by Brigham Young allowed for a married woman to seek a different husband if he has a higher job or priesthood authority in the early Mormon church than the one she's married to. So if she's married to somebody and she's lusting after this guy and he's got a higher priesthood, she can leave. She doesn't even have to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. She just can just go to him and attach herself to him and it's okay. That's right. Yes. Yeah, and that's actually a, a slap in the face to Jesus being the resurrection and the life, that points to needing a man with a priesthood to assure your place in heaven. Or a higher place, as, yeah, as, higher they, place. as right. they like to put it. Right. You had, I think one of you had a quote from Brigham Young on that, didn't you, where he mentions you have one that? Here? Do you want to read it? Or I? This one. Which page are you on? Do you want to read I'll, it? I'll read it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this was, right uh, Brigham Young said this in the Tabernacle, October 8, 1861. The second way in which a wife can be separated from her husband while he continues to be faithful to his God and his priesthood, I have not yet revealed, except to a few persons in this church, and a few have received it from Joseph the prophet as well as myself. If a woman can find a man holding the keys of the priesthood with a higher power and authority than her husband, and he is disposed to take her, he can do so, otherwise she has to remain where she is. So Joe, Brigham Young here is talking as a prophet, mm -hmm. as the prophet of the church, that this is actually what they can do. And if God's words never change, they can still do that today. Yeah, right. Well, Arza Evans' book, um, Keystone of Mormonism, uh -huh. he, he mentions a family member, I, I, if I remember right, it was an aunt, that actually that happened. Mm, you know, in, is that right? Yeah, in in his history. Oh my! That, that she just she went. I think she went to Salt Lake, married to one man, and came home married to another. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like Joseph Smith. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. we have a call from uh, Idaho. Uh, Frank is our caller. Hello, Frank. Yes. You're on the air. What's your question or comment? 
well, I am uh, wanting to go back to a statement you all made about uh, Moses and uh, to, uh, what was that other name? Isaac. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, not being uh, with several wives. Right. They took on they took on concubines. No, they didn't. Find it in the Bible and prove it. <laughs> Give me a chapter and a verse where it, the Bible says Isaac and Moses had concubines. The entire story of Isaac talks about his wife Rebecca. Yes. Never does it mention a concubine or another wife or kids from another wife. He only had two kids, Jacob and Esau, from Rebecca. They were twins. But 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 but, but what? There, there, no, wait, no, just listen to me. I'd like to know where it says in the Bible that God condemned polygamy. Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen: The king shall not multiply wives unto himself. First Corinthians seven two: A man must have his own wife, and a woman should have her own husband. And in Timothy and Titus both, the leadership of the church is supposed to be the husband of but one wife. Jesus himself said that the man and the wife, the two of them, come together and become one. That's just as sampling of what the Bible says about having monogamy rather than polygamy. Not to mention Adam and Eve. Not to mention the, the first example of marriage was monogamy with Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. You find me one place in the Bible where God commanded polygamy. That's the point. Well, I don't think he did. I just, you know, uh, I'm a Christian myself. Okay. Good. And I grew up in the church uh, some 20, you know, uh, and I left 20 years ago from the church because I was pressured into uh, saying I had to go on a mission. And I'm like, no, God will tell me to go on a mission, not to church. Exactly. Good point. You know, we have a book. If you have questions about biblical polygamy, we have a book. Sam, you know, says that... Uh, in, in verse 1, chapter 1, of the first book of Samuel, the second verse states, And he took two wives and named one, the name of one was Hannah, and the other, the name of the other was Penelope. Right, Frank, but that doesn't mean that God commanded him to take those wives. That's what happened in the entire Old the Testament period. in the Bible where he says, you know, it if the brother dies, if one of our brothers dies, and the, his wife and children are struggling, that the brother of the, you know, a, a good living standard citizen, of, you know, of the community, take the brother attend to his wife okay, and Frank, children also. You're doing a lot of paraphrasing there, but I understand what you're saying. That passage in Deuteronomy, I think it's Deuteronomy 25, does not ever say that that brother already is married. Mm -hmm. Ever. 
And God's not going to command polygamy when he doesn't want polygamy. So we have to assume that the man that takes the brother's wife, the dead brother's wife, is unmarried. And there's also con some restrictions there. The, the, the two brothers have to be living together. In other words, they're living in the same family home. And, and they don't have to take her either because she has a choice or he has a choice not to, if you read the entire passage. So read the context. I know a lot of polygamists will use that verse to prove that God commanded polygamy, but there's nothing there at all that indicates... Sure. I'm not saying that God commanded any of it. You know. Okay. Well, we need to go. We've got. We're getting close to the end of the time, and I have another question. Okay. It, thank you. Bye. Yeah. Uh, bye. Okay. And off the air question is: What's the difference between polygamy and plural marriage? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Just the name you one put in the to same. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nothing. Okay, uh, line one, very quickly, we have a call from Anonymous. Uh, hello, you're on the air, Anonymous? Yes, um, I come from a long line of Mormons, and I have eight, uh, seven brothers and sisters, so I'm the youngest one. And all of them are diehard Mormons, but I'm the only one that's left the church. And it was so easy for me to see that the Mormon church wasn't, wasn't true. It was just, it's so easy for me to see that. And yet they're just very stubborn. They won't even listen to me. And I sent them the book um, where Mormon, Mormonism meets um, biblical Christianity. Mm -hmm. I sent three of, three of my um, one brother and two sisters that book. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't even... They won't even do you, open it up. Do you have a question for us? Get, very quickly, do you have a question for us? Uh, no, I just a comment. That's just what I wanted. You know, why is it? Why was it so easy for me? And. I think it's it's, it's easier for some people than it is for others, um, and and I think it's for where you are far along, or people yeah. praying for you, that kind of thing. It, it is that, and you have to truly want to get to the bottom of truth. Mm -hmm. you, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to look truth soberly in the face, and no matter what that entails, you have to be willing to accept it. Because like like we we said somewhere, I think it was in the book. <clears throat> Truth might not be uh, good news to some, but it's always good to the one who's seeking truth. And, and, and the Bible says, and this is for the woman who just called, God says, if you seek me with all your heart, mm -hmm. and I think that's the key, mm -hmm. he says you will find the truth if you seek him. And so it's with the heart. It's, it, it is has to do with the person, whether they want the truth or whether they want to do what's comfortable or familiar or feels good and fuzzy-wuzzy with them. And all we exactly. can do is really pray that they'll have the desire to seek the truth because mm -hmm. they are the ones that have to do it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, we're getting towards the end now, and uh, I'd like to thank you, Kay, for coming, and thank you, Adelie, thank for coming. You, Get their you. book. Go to Amazon.com called Grace Reigns, and uh, if you feel like you'd like a study guide to go through uh, your transition time. Um, my closing comments is John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. So if you can get to the Father through polygamy or through your church, then you've made Jesus into a liar. But he is the truth, and he cannot lie, and no religion or group has the corner on eternal life. The idea that marriage or celestial marriage or eternal sealing or anything else that can increase someone's chances to get into heavenly glory just erases what Jesus did on the cross for us and turns it 
our, our works into self-righteous religion, and God will reject that. He said he would. Uh, celestial marriage is not found in the Bible. It's not found in the Book of Mormon. Jesus is the Savior, not marriage. Jesus knows how we're saved. That's what the word Savior indicates. Jesus purchased our eternal life on the cross, and that is the prize. There is a prize for every sin, and Jesus paid it, and that makes him the Savior, nothing or no one else. And if we try to work for it or do good deeds for it or have special marriages for it, we lose because God offers it as a free gift, and we can do nothing to buy a free gift. If your religion continues to teach that in the end we're all saved by God, grace, but in the meantime we must work, you must know that is not grace. And grace and works do not mix, just like oil and water do not mix. And you will regret for eternity your neglect of the free gift that God offers and that He gives with no works and no works attached at all. So repent and believe, receive and rest in God's saving grace alone through Jesus alone. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.